0: good morning and thank you for tuning in to the global current the school of diplomacy and international relations weekly podcast this is your host valentina orejarena if this is your first time tuning in welcome i'm so happy you're able to stop by today and enjoy today's show with two of our own CN hall students jasmine de leon hamza khan uh as the school of diplomacy's premier podcast we take a new topic in international news each week and ask the question is diplomacy the answer This week's topic is about the United States' indirect involvement in the Yemen civil war by supplying Saudi Arabia, who is on the ground, in Yemen. What does this consist of? What do these countries gain or lose? How has this developed into the situation it is today? We will be dissecting this topic as each of our analysts argue their respective sides on whether diplomacy is the answer to this international conflict. Later, we will have our briefer give us an update on what else is going on this week. Now, our briefer Mark Gorman will give us an overview of this week's topic.
1: During the Arab Spring in 2011, longtime Yemeni President Ali Abdullah Saleh was forced to step down and was replaced by his deputy, Abdrabah Mansour Hadi. President Hadi was was unable to deal with a variety of issues facing Yemen, including a separatist movement in southern Yemen, food insecurity, unemployment, and rampant corruption. The Houthis, a group of primarily Shia Muslims in a Sunni Muslim-majority nation, decided to take advantage of the weak president and took over the province of Seda and neighboring areas. The Houthis had fought Saleh in the previous decade, but had received support from many ordinary Yemenis who rallied behind this anti-government force and many Saleh loyalists who hoped to restore Saleh to power. Saudi Arabia and Iran throughout a lot of this period have been fighting a series of proxy wars over influence across the Middle East. Due to Iran's influence with the Houthis, in early 2015, Saudi Arabia backed the Yemeni government under Hadi after he was forced to flee the country. In August of 2015, coalition troops led by Saudi Arabia landed in the port city of Aden and from there drove the Houthis out of most of southern Yemen. As a response to the launch of a ballistic missile aimed towards Riyadh, Saudi Arabia imposed a blockade of Yemen in November of 2017. Saudi Arabia claims this was to prevent Iran from sending weapons to the Houthis. Saudi Arabia has also cut off other imports, making the food shortages worse. After the United Arab Emirates withdrew support from the Yemeni government, southern separatists backed by the UAE started clashing with Saudi Arabian forces in Yemen which only ended when a power-sharing deal was brokered between the two sides. A report found that Saudi Arabia deliberately targets civilians in their bombing campaigns, and the U.S. has acknowledged this as far back as 2016, but has done little to stop it. The U.N. has reported that as of March, 7,700 civilians have died as a direct cause of the war, with many watchdog groups giving much larger numbers. Many of these deaths the result of Saudi Arabian airstrikes
0: all right let's get to it thank you so much for each of you for joining me here via via video chat this Yemeni conflict has been going on for almost six years and there seems to be no end in sight this has been named one of the biggest man-made human crises in the world so my question right now is what is happening to the Yemeni citizens where are they how are they surviving the floor is open to anybody who wants to answer first. The United Nations has called the
2: Yemeni crisis, the world's worst humanitarian crisis. Over about 80% of the population, which is 24 million people need humanitarian assistance and protection. 20 million people need help securing food. 10 million are actually considered one step away from famine. And 18 million do not have enough clean water or access to adequate sanitation. Also, if you want to put it in the context of the coronavirus pandemic, as the pandemic rages, many countries have cut back aid to Yemen, which already has a fragile health system and an infrastructure that has been devastated in
3: the war.
0: Hmm. yeah, definitely, I bet coronavirus has definitely made this
3: worse. yeah, even with the coronavirus, they' they've also been suffering from the worst cholera outbreak in recorded history, and that's been going on for years. And like, as Jasmine said, million, almost like 80% of the population, they need humanitarian assistance because they can't they don't have access to clean water or health care or food. And on top of that, their civilians are just being killed at an at a horrific rate by the Saudi campaign. They bombed schools, hmm. hospitals, and in 2016, even a funeral was bombed with 140 people being killed, which is really horrific and a school bus with 40 kids was also bombed because they considered that a military target, a school bus with 40 children. So-
0: By by, the, by Saudi Arabia by the Saudi, Yeah,
3: by the mm-hmm. Saudi coalition. And what do you call it? There's this group called the, US, uh, the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project. And they claim that 12,000 civilians have been killed in direct attacks. So that's not even, um, ca- those aren't even military casualties. Those are direct attacks against citizens. Wow.
0: Yeah, wow, you know, and I'm wondering. Who do the Yemeni people want in control? Yasmin, if you would like to answer.
2: I really depends on who you ask. Um, mm-hmm. There's the Houthis. There's people who are non-Houthis. Some Yemenis also support Al Qaeda because they provided um, some Yemenis some areas with security and public services unfulfilled by the state, which has strengthened support for the group, according to their Council of Foreign Relations. There's also the Saudi government um, who wants to end Iran's influence in Yemen and Green State President Hadi. And in addition to that, there's also the separatist Southern Transitional Council, the STC, who wanna split Yemen into two. So there's so many different non-state actors at play here that mm. there's not, I would argue that there's not just one Yemeni people who have a single
0: view of who they want in control. I could see that definitely. Maybe it, it would be a good idea to split Yemeni into two at this point.
3: Yeah, um, Yemen used to be actually two countries before they united. It was North and um, South Yemen and right now President Hadi. So he's the official president supposedly because he's backed by Saudi Arabia and the, and the US as well. And the Houthis are his main rivals but the STC the Southern Transitional Council they're also a force that wants to they took over the city of Aden, and they kicked out Hadi's government which was set up there after the Houthis took over Sanaa, the, the previous capital now it's just complete chaos President um, Hadi he's living in Saudi Arabia in exile right now and trying to control the government from there and that's not really going well and the STC, they declared the Southern provinces autonomous from Yemen's government. So they just, they're also like separatists there. And even there's also like the ideological divide between the Sunnis and the Shias. So the Houthis are basically Shia Muslims and they're the minorities in Yemen and the Sunnis were the, are the majority still. And so basically most of the Sunni Muslims, they support President Hadi's government and the Shia Muslims, they support the Houthis.
0: Wow. that's. It's incredible how much divide there is, actually. Uh, And you mentioned there's so much chaos. So it makes me think, if there was already so much chaos before Saudi Arabia stepped in, I understand that Saudi Arabia increased the violence, increased the tension. But maybe Saudi Arabia is what they need to start bringing the country back together. Or is that debatable? Anybody have opinions on that?
3: yeah i think that's really debatable because yeah you're right there was a lot of chaos but saudi arabia has really like exacerbated it to a extent that it wasn't at before and i i believe that if the humanitarian toll the civilian casualties would not be as high without saudi involvement in this war honestly i think they've just made it worse yeah i know that like the civil war did start before they intervened but i feel like at this point it should be solved within Yemen and not with these foreign interventions because I don't even think it's a civil war anymore because of how much foreign intervention has become involved in it. There's like the US, the UK supporting the Gulf Cooperation Council and Saudi Arabia. And then there's Iran supporting the Houthis. So it's just so many forces at play here and the Yemeni civilians are the victims of all of that.
0: They definitely are, definitely I would
2: would agree that the Yemeni citizens are a victim of all of that. I think that Iran and Saudi Arabia are constantly vying for power and influence throughout the Middle East and Yemen has kind of just become their playground. But as far as not having like foreign intervention, I think that diplomacy would be a way to solve this issue because there are so many foreign powers at play. You can't just include one, group at the Stockholm agreement kept Yemen accountable, but it did not keep other parties accountable, which is why it was
0: unsuccessful. That is pretty funny, oh wow. You know, what else has the United Nations said, or what else has the international community say? Any other countries, have, have they criticized Saudi Arabia's involvement? Iran, Iran's involvement? Well,
3: actually, interestingly, the United States Congress passed a bill to end arms sales to the Saudis because of this, because they, because there was a, a UN report that said that the Saudis were directly targeting civilians. So Senator Chris Murphy and Bernie Sanders, they've, they've uh, since um, 2015, since the Obama administration, they've been really leading the effort on Capitol Hill to end uh, American involvement in the Saudi war because they believe that um, if America stopped funding the Saudis, the war would end tomorrow because that's how reliant they are on our money for this war. And so, yeah, the UN has called this one of the worst humanitarian crises in, in the world right now, probably worse than Syria.
0: And it's ironic that now we're back to selling arms to Saudi Arabia, uh, the Trump administration, correct? No, what, yeah, what, you what are we gaining from this? Jasmine, if you'd like to reply. Yes, so
2: according to the Council on Foreign Relations, the United States remains Saudi Arabia's largest arms supplier. According to the American Society of Civil Law, since joining the conflict, the Saudi-led coalition um, has conducted significant air campaigns that have further escalated the scale of the conflict, resulted in civilian deaths, and also contributed to the growing humanitarian crisis. So I, I do think that the United States in direct involvement in selling weapons has does implicate the country.
0: Hmm. you know. The argument is now. The United States is doing this for their own national interest, which would be they want some jobs in their in in their country. They need some money for their own government. You know how much responsibility can they, you know? Uh, accept really, uh, you know uh, can it be compared to say you know we're selling arms but at the same time people are providing say any other trade to saudi arabia um and they're also you know providing just that could be kind of said as support too you know what should we be doing or what should the united states be doing next should they
3: well, that the United States absolutely should withdraw all funding to the Saudis because of this, because the blood of these civilians is on U.S. hands because um, the Congress, both parties agreed to this. It was bipartisan and it's hard to believe anything being bipartisan nowadays, but both houses of Congress passed a, a bill uh, about the War Powers Resolution to end Saudi su- uh, su- support for the Saudis but Donald Trump vetoed it. And we're not just selling them. um, We're not just the only thing we're doing isn't just selling them arms. We're refueling their jets. So once they finish bombing, they go recharge on our tankers, and then they go back and start bombing more people. And then we're selling them cluster bombs, which were banned by like 190 countries. And we're selling them F-15 airplanes so that they can go and kill more people. So we're we're complicit, and our intelligence forces are providing information and bombing targets for them to find locations to attack. So we are yeah. actually absolutely complicit in this.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Wow. Now, it definitely makes me think more that you say that we're actually providing them with intelligent, you know, technology, intelligence technology, because you know, uh, we're told as the citizens of the United States that. Well, we're only really selling arms because we're trying to give people jobs, but we are doing way more than just selling arms. If it was just maybe the guns themselves. It is bad, but looking at it from a national interest point to be the devil's advocate here, you know, American people might see that as I pay less taxes. I, you know, there's more funding going towards my schools or my community because of this, but we're providing way more. That's, that's just very sad to see that our resources are being utilized somewhere else when we could be actually fixing the problem instead if our resources are that great. You know, is there any other hidden reason that might motivate the Saudi Arabia to get involved and the US to help? I don't think this
2: is a hidden reason. I think this reason specifically that I'm going to go into is very clear Mm. the United States and many other places in the world continue to be on edge over the growing threat to shipping and other traffic through the BAM, which is a critical, a critical choke point for all shipborne traffic. So According to the United States Energy Information Administration, the B A M is a strategic route for oil and natural gas shipments, and it's a choke point. So it's a widely used global sea route that's critical to global energy security. So that there is an interest not just from the United States, but
0: also other countries. Quick question: What what is the BAM? you said? B B A M B A M. What is it? It's a critical
2: choke point for shipborne traffic. Hmm. So that's that where acronym for something else. Yes, it is. It's the Bab al Manteb.
0: Ah, okay, interesting. Hmm. Because you know, I I was also thinking, what about is 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 Yemen um a hot spot for oil? I know we've always been looking for oil and and especially with Saudi Arabia.
3: Yeah, that's a good point. It, it, I think it is, but it's also like the between like the proxy war between U, uh, Saudi Arabia and Iran. So the U.S. right now is extremely anti-Iran. Like we've just <clears throat> recently re, uh, re um, done our sanctions against them, and we're recalled or removed ourselves from the Iran nuclear deal, which was negotiated by pres- uh, under President Obama's administration. And um, last year there was an attack on Saudi oil reserves. Um, by the the Houthi rebels, they claimed credit for that. But the US and Saudi intelligence agencies both agreed that they they don't have the capabilities to launch attacks against Saudi tankers. So it must have been Iran supporting them. So that's why that galvanized um, more support in the Trump administration against Iran. So that's why the, I think that's one of the main reasons why Donald Trump vetoed the bill passed by both houses of Congress because there were so many people in his, in his administration that want to go to war with Iran. And this is one of the main this is one of the hot hot spots that could lead to that.
0: Wow, that's very interesting. Hmm. You know it's, and it, it makes me question. Uh, it's just kind of sad to see the Muslim community allow this to happen to the Yemeni people, as this being, you know, one of the biggest human humanitarian crisis in the world. And instead of maybe coming together, Iran and Saudi Arabia maybe against the U.S., saying, hey, you know what, we don't need you to sell arms, you know. Instead, can you provide some food? some some other supplies. And it really is sad that given the COVID situation, supplies have been cut down, especially now that, since there are so many different types of humanitarian crisis like Rohingya people, the Uyghurs is just, we really need to start moving forward with, I, I hate to say that the Yemeni people have been kind of almost forgotten at this point. It's been six years. You know, it's always kind of um, a trend to see a a humanitarian crisis. Like I remember seeing it for the first time on social media and there'd be a lot of petitions and a lot of uh, donation links. And then I remember it happening for Syria and then the Rohingya people. And it's kind of like, these things keep happening, but where are the solutions? You know, where is the United Nations in trying to bring everybody together? Where are where is the international community? Everybody have has their own s- national interests and I bet they don't want to get involved, but uh, at this point it's I feel like if we were to invest in these countries, they could be providing so much more to everybody else.
2: I think your question, where is the international community, really makes the argument why like diplomacy is needed for this particular situation. I don't think singularly diplomacy is going to solve this issue. I think that what's also really important is bringing more humanitarian aid to the region, especially because during COVID, The resources, not as many resources are getting to the region Um, and this conflict is very messy and it's difficult to generalize and I think that I do agree in that like national interest is getting in the way of resolving this humanitarian crisis that all of us are aware of. Not everyone, but obviously Mm. in our discussion.
3: Yeah, the point you brought up, Valentina, about the humanitarian assistance from Muslim countries, you're absolutely right. And I think that if you're waiting for any kind of moral assistance from the Saudi government, you're going to be waiting a long time because they're one of the most authoritarian and brutal regimes in the world, a regime that, you know, beheads more people than ISIS. These people, instead of humanitarian assistance to the Yemeni people, they're imposing a blockade in the air and sea. So no food, nothing can get in. There's a famine right now. People are dying and the Saudi government does not care and they never will because all they care about is their own interests. And they're even working with Al-Qaeda in the region. So one of the most radical branches of Al-Qaeda in the region, the AQAP, who, who really hate the United States they've been taking this opportunity of the uh, from the Saudi bombing campaigns to radicalize young Yemenis to join them and mm-hmm. the Saudis have worked with them to fight against the Houthis so basically the United States has been supporting a coalition that has been working with Al-Qaeda which is ridiculous. Wow. That is yeah.
0: very ironic given that we hear a lot about anti-terrorism and the the rise of terrorism and how we are trying to avoid it and that's why we get into a lot of different conflicts in different regions because the united states is always trying to just prevent that from happening and continuing to rise you know the government keeps pushing people towards these communities that will maybe gives them food gives them shelter gives them a sense of sense of community, even if it's a brutal. Environment, I guess is better than being bombed while going to school. At least you have a chance to defend yourself. If somebody is helping you and training you, it's just very sad to see. You know, so. Let's see. Is diplomacy the answer then at this point? What can be done? Hamza,
2: I am curious to know if since you are arguing Mm -hmm. the negating side, what solution would you propose if diplomacy isn't the solution?
3: Yeah, so I'm not okay. Yeah, so diplomacy is important to some extent, but I think the first step to end the is to end the foreign involvement in the war. So that means the US has to stop funding Saudi Arabia. and. Uh, many experts believe that if you if this united states and the united kingdom stopped funding saudi arabia today the war would end tomorrow so that means the the foreign involvement would end and the yemen they would be they would the blockades would end the they would have to start negotiating amongst themselves and the us could be a neutral broker in that if that's necessary i do believe that diplomacy will be necessary to end the civil war but to end the foreign intervention all we have to do is just stop funding them and the war and this the brutal killings that have been going on will end tomorrow.
2: Well, you you did just say that Al-Qaeda, a terrorist organization, has been working with the Saudi government. So what makes you think that they'll just stop killing people?
3: Well, the Saudi government will be the one that stops killing people. And yeah, Al-Qaeda is a big problem. That's true. And that's a threat to our own national security. And that's, probably one of the reasons we're involved in that area in the first place so yeah you're right about that
0: definitely i mean i feel like even if saudi arabia steps out it will take a lot for the i'm sorry the group was uh the houthis and then the anti houthis correct or one was for the president and one was
3: anti-government and the houthis
0: and I feel like that would still be an ongoing problem. And you know, it's, it's, it's a, it sucks that I'm thinking about it because of the United States history of trying to bring democracy to these countries. And it usually does not turn out well, but I am thinking somebody needs to bring a system to this country. Maybe not the United States, but if the United Nations could step up to the plate and bring a sense of development. Um, of just. Organization, maybe any other developing country that has a very neutral stance in this could just give them you know the footing they need to um uh, to establish a nation i think that would be great for the yemeni people
3: um honestly i think i would kind of disagree with that to an extent because after the arab spring when president saleh was taken out of power right the Saudi government and the Gulf Cooperation Council, so the Gulf countries, they helped install President Hadi into power, which is not what the people of Yemen wanted. So I think the, mo- the most important thing we learn here is the origins of the war started because nobody is listening to the Yemeni people. The Saudi government, they just wanted to they just put President Hadi was President Saleh's vice president. So it's the people of Yemen basically saw it as the same people in power, just a different face. So that's why they, the Houthis were so appealing to them because they were like, we wanna get rid of this corruption and the Houthis themselves, they've also, they're the Shia minority. So they feel like they've been, um, they've been discriminated against for years against the Yemeni government. So they feel like they want uh, like proper representation in the Yemeni government. And I feel like if these groups got together and they agreed to a power sharing agreement, even including the STC, because they're also another group in the south that are just sick of war and that's why they wanted to like separate themselves from the conflicts that's been going on i think all these groups need to come together and have like some kind of agreement and the people of yemen need to be listening to listen to because for when foreign powers intervened they just installed whoever they wanted that would help them instead of the people of yemen and that's why the war broke out so badly
2: I think you make a good point in that the groups need to come together, which is why I do think that diplomacy would be the answer, in that people, the groups who are at war and who are
0: disagreeing in Yemen, would come together to resolve this issue. It's undeniable that diplomacy definitely needs to play a role in this, uh, especially the U.S. needs to back down, Saudi Arabia needs to back down. We need to get this humanitarian crisis result, at least for the sake of just morality at this point. All right. I would,
2: I would argue that not only would we need to back down, but I don't think that peace would be able to be reached if we didn't intervene and step into the region. I think that the United States and other countries should help rebuild um, and provide humanitarian aid to the region, which would help create a situation where political discourse could happen and they can resolve their issue diplomatically.
3: Definitely. Yeah, of course depends on the way we intervene because if we intervene militarily, there's only going to be military problems. What if we do humanitarian interventions? That's completely different. That would be much better, yeah.
2: Yes, and they the groups did come together through the Stockholm Agreement to try and resolve this issue before but as we've seen in the past two years, it hasn't been effective because it was only Yemen who was held accountable. So I would argue that if the United States and other groups could come together and be held accountable within an agreement to provide humanitarian aid and
0: assistance, then that would be an effective way to resolve this problem. Thank you, Jasmine. Okay folks, that is all of the time we have for today. I would like to thank our analyst again for being here with me, Jasmine, Hamza. This has been very informative, very great. Thank you so much for this conversation uh, and thank you for being on our show.
3: Thank you for having us. No problem. Okay,
0: now let's tune into this week's rundown brought to us by our briefer, Mark.
1: Madrid locks back down as European leaders sound alarm on COVID-19 surges. CNN is reporting that Madrid is going back into a citywide lockdown after a surge of cases in the city. People will not be allowed to leave or enter their area except for work, education or health reasons. Gatherings will be limited and Stores, bars, and restaurants will have to reduce their capacity by 50% and close by 10 p.m. and these restrictions will apply to municipalities with more than 500 cases per 1,000 people in the, the past 14 days, where the number of positive cases surpassed 10% of all diagnostic tests. Kuwait bids felt farewell to the late ruler and, and pillar of Arab diplomacy as new emir takes over. Reuters reported that Kuwait Uh, laid to rest their late ruler Sheik Sabah al-Ahmed al-Sabah on Wednesday, September 30th. His successor, Emir Sheik Nawaf al-Ahmed al-Sabah, pledged to work for the prosperity, stability, and security of Kuwait. Sheik Nawaf takes the reins of the small wealthy nation which holds the world's seventh largest oil reserves at a time when low crude prices and the coronavirus have strained the finances of a country with a cradle-to-grave welfare system. Alexei Navalny says Russia's uh, Putin had him poisoned with nerve agent. Russia's Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny claims Russian President Vladimir Putin had him poisoned with a rare nerve agent, as reported by NPR. Navalny believes this is the case since the nerve agent is one that is only accessible to one of Russia's intelligence agencies and he believes that they would not have acted without Putin's orders. EU launches legal action against UK after plans to breach Brexit agreement. The European Union on Thursday launched legal action against the United Kingdom over London's plan to unilaterally breach a Brexit withdrawal agreement, both sides signed into. Over London's plan to unilaterally breach a Brexit withdrawal agreement, both sides signed last year, according to NBC. Prime Minister Boris Johnson released a bill which would settle the Irish border dispute the EU, though in a way that Britain's own MPs admit would violate international law. Brawl in migrant camp in Bosnia kills two and injures 18. Two migrants were killed and 18 injured in a brawl in northwest Bosnia and Herzegovina as regional authorities emptied a migrant reception center in the town of Fijak and moved hundreds to a camp 50 kilometers away, according to Al Jazeera. The incident on Wednesday involved migrants from Afghanistan and Pakistan fighting each other. It was not immediately clear what what sparked the clashes, but the migrants' long journeys and uncertain futures often lead to tensions.
0: Okay, thank you, Mark. That wraps up this week's show. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for updates on upcoming shows. The show couldn't be made possible without executive producer, Billa Fisher, assistant producer, Jared Dang, technical producer, Brittany Seguera, assistant technical producer, Jason Marieski, and our interview producer, team fan. I'm your host, Valentina Orejarena, and I thank you for tuning in. The Global Current is brought to you by the School of Diplomacy and International Relations at Hall University. Be sure to tune in every week for a new episode. Stay healthy and talk to you soon.